welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Boy, the last 24 hours that you have had trying to record this here podcast to get our listeners ready for week one has been way more of an adventure than any podcast we've had this entire offseason. Not great, Bob. Not great. (laughs) It has been one of the most frustrating 24 hours I think I've ever had. And I think I put it on Twitter last night and I was like, I was like, today was blank word, S word. And I was like, but at least we have college football tomorrow. And I thought that was going to be the, the key to my day. It was not. It was still a very frustrating day. Technology is going to be the downfall of society. Technical difficulties on top of technical difficulties. We had originally planned on recording this Thursday. Oh, wait, we actually did record all Wednesday. of this. Or, or on Wednesday. Today, we're recording this here on a Thursday right now. We had hoped to have it out by Thursday morning. So what happened was... We got through the first probably hour of this yeah. of this podcast, and then all of a sudden, computer freezes, and you couldn't close the program that we used to record this, and it was like, that was all. Essentially, we wasted an entire afternoon recording this what podcast. What happened yesterday was Dylan Moses tore his ACL. We didn't get to record the podcast, and then after all of that, Connor, I stepped in Queso's poop with my bare foot, and I dragged it all over the house, and yesterday was one of the worst days ever, but today... There's college football. Let's get into it. You know, like when Andy steps in the poop in the kitchen and Dwight's at True Farms, and he's like, oh, come on. How's that even there? Oh, I That's basically know. you. <laughs> it's basically, yeah, it's basically me. Yeah. Um, we have a lot to get to today. We have our interview with Peach Bowl president and CEO Gary Stoken. He dropped knowledge on all things neutral site games, kind of the future of it. Really yeah. interesting conversation and in how uh, these big home and homes that have been set up, how, how that all relates to what he's trying to do with his kickoff game. So great conversation there. We've got a bunch of week one stuff that we want to get to. We've got some game preview type stuff. We've got some over-unders. We've got some picks. We've got a little Uncle Chris gambling advice. Got a little, little bit of everything at the end for you. We've got some do's and don'ts of the press box for Marler. Marler's going to play a little game, a little quiz before he takes off to Orlando. Oh, ironically enough, so a little, little peel behind the onion here. In the next 24 hours, you are coming to my city, and then I am going to your city. And then and I'm we are only back spending, to the city. Yeah, yeah, and then we are only spending like uh, roughly a day together, yeah. which is just strange how that all worked out, yeah. but whatever. It's neither here nor there. So before we do all of that... We have to talk to you about our friends at Ticket IQ. Ticket IQ offers low price guarantees on all college football tickets, which means that you will get 200% of the price difference if you find some if you find the same ticket for less. 200%. That's a lot. Can't count yeah. that high. Ticket IQ shoppers save an average of 20% off of StubHub and Vivid Seats. Download their app in the store in the App Store or on Google Play and use code SDS20 for $20 off your first purchase of at least $75 to save even more. That's SDS20 for $20 off your first purchase. As Marler fumbles with his papers or whatever he was doing to make noise right there. <laughs> yes, college football is here. We are not going to be able to talk about the AM game because that game is going on as we're, well, a few hours after we're going to be recording yeah. this. Future Us is going to know how that is going to go. Texas State's going to cover. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Fire take. We're going to know if if, if you're wrong. That's going to look really dumb. Cold take (laughs) exposed. We'll get you on that. The big news that we found out about on Wednesday, which we initially recorded, and it was like two hours after the fact, you had just been talked off the ledge. Why are we bringing up old stuff, dude? (laughs) You had just been talked off the ledge by none other than Kristen Saban herself, who said, how dare you doubt my dad. But... 
The big news Wednesday, Dylan Moses out for the 2019 season with a torn ACL, the most significant preseason injury that there's been in all of college football, as far as I'm concerned. A preseason All-American, a guy that was Alabama's leading tackler last year, is the quarterback of that defense, a guy who is the, the signal caller. And now, all of a sudden, Alabama, after losing not only Dylan Moses, but without Josh McMillan, is starting two true freshmen at inside linebacker, mm. which is going to be all sorts of interesting. Shane Lee is going to be making the calls. Um, Christian Harris also going to be starting an inside yeah. linebacker. Maybe Ben Davis, somebody who Alabama fans remember from like three years ben ago. Ben Davis is rated higher than Mac Wilson. He's a five-star. He's a Russian bot, apparently, because he's I, – I don't know if, what he could have done. To, it's interesting. He's it, entering like, year four and still has is, is, is really not had much of an impact at all on that roster. Right. Not just a depth chart thing there. So um, hu- just huge news in college yeah. football. And, and, and by now, I know a lot of people have, have had time to kind of process what it means. My initial, my initial reaction to it was Alabama, this defense that we thought was going to be the driving force behind this revenge tour, all of a sudden has a, a much tougher road, a much steeper road ahead when we when we thought that that was the biggest thing that Alabama had had areas to improve in. Allowed 36 points per game in those final three games against the likes of Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson, of course, and just had more issues on that side of the ball than they typically have. 19th in the country against the run last year. Dylan Moses was supposed to be a guy who was going to fix that and was going to be the big guy really as the driving force, the catalyst of that defense. And now all of a sudden, Alabama, a couple days before the season opener, is left wondering what in the world we have going on here. Yeah, so and it's one of those things, too, where it, it's not – outside of Tua, this is the one player you felt like you couldn't lose for Bama. Because exactly. what we missed last year on defense at Alabama was not was not like the skill players. That defense last year, people forget how how bad it was compared to the years before. From a statistical standpoint, yes. But it was, it was one of those things where not just giving up yards or points or rushing yards – there were moments that you were like, this is not how this is supposed to look. And we have the players, so why can't we get off the field on third and long? And, and you know, like you brought up yesterday, the first time we recorded this, about how Georgia, Oklahoma, Clemson put up an average of how many points per game against Baylor? 36 points per game. That is outrageous. Like, that, that can't happen. And I know the Oklahoma game, we were up 28-0 basically in the first quarter, so that, I'm not really as concerned about that. But what can't happen in, 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 in that defense is – you, you have to have an alpha. Every good defense Bama's ever had has had that alpha. And it's concerning. It's really upsetting because it's, it's not just, you know, a returning starter. It's not just a, a you know, upperclassman. It's a returning second-team All-American who's a preseason All-American in every single publication. Every basketball. publication. Every single, yeah. Probably top 10, you know, NFL draft pick. He was the next guy that, frankly, we were missing last year with Mac Wilson. So that's upsetting. Now, I <laughs> I jokingly put on Twitter yesterday, I was like, maybe I need to change my national championship pick. And and luckily, just by the, the good graces of, of Kristen Saban, she let me know how ignorant and dumb that was to not put any of my trust in what's happening here in her dad. And I know that sounds kind of like tongue-in-cheek, like we're like making a joke, but let's think about this from, from, a, like from a Bama standpoint, okay? If, if you're a Bama fan... All off season, this revenge tour that I keep talking about, like has has like kind of the wheels start turning on it. The reason why it's the revenge tour is because it, that loss to Clemson, it's not like it's not just coming off a loss. You, what's the stat on in in, in seasons where they've come off a loss in the playoffs or national championship? In seasons in which a Nick Saban coach team has returned from a bowl loss, 
Boom. There have been five of those seasons where, because yeah. you're not including like when he went to the NFL because right. that's not his team coming back necessarily. So there have been five of those seasons. They have won a national championship in four of them. That's pretty dang. I mean, that's eighty percent, dude. So eighty percent is pretty high. But that whole thing last year, like we we've we've heard about the dynasty being dead for three four years. Um, I've even brought it up sometimes like on the podcast. But that loss last year to Clemson was so emphatically bad and so embarrassingly bad that I think it's kind of opened that door for fuck for college football fans especially around the country to kind of get this misguided irrational sense of confidence like yep now it's our turn and that's not real and that's and that's not real because what I'll wrap it up but like it's not real because the fact that in 2017 Bama lost four starting linebackers as the season went on and that was into November that's, Huge step this year's down the stretch of that right, position. Right, absolutely awful. And the and the the offense they had then was much worse, much worse right. than it was yep. against than it's going to be this year. You have a better offense. You still have to deal with everything on offense that Tua has, all those receivers, Najee, a better offensive line. Y'all, if you if you really want to put all your eggs in the basket of doubting Nick Saban because he has two freshman linebackers to start the year, like they like they're not going to get any better. Have at it. Y'all have fun. Here's, here's here's the one thing I'll say in response to that. I, I like this isn't changing my belief that Bama will go twelve and zero. If I had to do a crystal yeah. ball tomorrow to predict the regular season for Bama, I'm still predicting them to go twelve and zero. And you're right. The idea of doubting Saban is it seems seems a little bit ridiculous yeah. because this is kind of where he thrives. What I will say is that it does feel like the competition around Bama, and that's not just based on what we saw right. against Clemson. Even if you take that away. You could look at a team like Georgia where they actually are, have been able to stack up with them for the last two years, regardless of the way that those games finished. But they, no, they, they were able to stack up with them. You can't say regardless because it, no, it no, matters. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that, they're, that they're better by any stretch of the imagination, but just in terms of like teams that are at least near Alabama's level. It's not 2012 where we're talking about, all right, Notre Dame is this feel-good yeah. story and like, oh, Notre Dame's undefeated and then Bama just reminds everybody, no. It's just right. us and, and nobody else is, is even near us. Yeah. So I would just say that my own my my only reservation with that, with everything that you just said, because there there could be a hundred percent truth in it. We could look back for five months from now and be like, "Yep, we should have listened to what Marler said. He was exactly on the money." The margin for error now is smaller than ever, and if you get into those matchups with quarterbacks who have faced Bama and had success against Bama, that's the other thing too. Jake Fromm has had success against Bama. Trevor Lawrence has had success against Bama. If they're getting into these win-or-go-home situations right. and you're looking at something like losing a Dylan Moses and you're trying to figure out what the answers are on defense and how, how much you, you would be saying in those moments in the third quarter when it's third and six and you're like, we just need somebody to come up and make a play on this defense. This, the other team is getting all, its offensive mojo right now. Right. They're not scared at all. We need a Dylan Moses to come in and be the alpha. Those are the moments that I'm talking about that I think would be significant with a loss like that. And, and I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but Dylan Moses on the field last year in this whole and the year before this whole thing right, about right. how like well you know like 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 what what bothers me and this happened I got into this conversation the other day with Brian Hoyt on a different podcast that we were guests on and Whoa, he's I, I, he's a big six eight he's on six eight sure. he's, a, he's a good guy I went to high school with him he did Surprise. not he didn't remember that uh, which was very fun we actually <laughs> went on family vacation together in seventh grade he also didn't remember that so that was fun to Drunk. to bring up um, but we we talked about this and he was like. He's like, do you think the dynasty's over because of what Georgia has right now? And I was like, what they have, what they're building. No, I, yeah, no, no, exactly. no, but so, but that, speaking to your point, what bothers me is when people say that they this team is matched up with Bama, this team is matched up with Bama. What 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 we get into, and I brought this up with Florida last week, is 
we we have these biased opinions of what not not you, but I'm saying in general, of what we think our team or teams are gonna be. And it's usually a pretty lofty expectation. And maybe I'm guilty of doing that right now. I don't know. But I know Georgia fans have brought this up several times of like, yeah, well, we almost got you last year. Well, you didn't. You didn't. Right, right. And, and so, and and I get, yeah, you're very close to it. But that whole thing about, well, Bama had all this turnover with coaching. They had all these turnovers. Georgia now starts to have to go through that. You have to replace both coordinators for the first time. So when, when if you are at this elite level, like you're talking about, and all this, like the stones you're throwing at these, this glass house of Bama, like, well, you guys had to replace this, this, and this. Why why do you think that your team that that is going through the same stuff is going to be completely free of that? Like, like all of a sudden, like, well, since we were close to beat, y'all didn't beat us last year, and you're going to have to go through even more change and even more obstacles than you did the year before. Why do you think that all of a sudden things are going to change? Just, just, just planting that seed in the back of your head. One more thought on this before we move on to some, some game previews. Um, Saban's quote, uh, Football Scoop tweeted this out. <laughs> Saban's priceless, now famous quote of, you all think whatever hap- whatever happens, we just blank out another player. S word out, another player. Yeah. Um, poop. Yeah, we, we just poop out another player. Probably on the minds of many at yeah. a moment like this. And even Saban can it's admit that, you know, how valuable he is. All right, Bama Duke, we're going to be there. It's in Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A kickoff game that Bama has just dominated year after year after year. It's not just the Dylan Moses slash Trey Sanders slash Josh McMillan injury news that has Alabama fans a little bit on edge going into this week one game. It's the reported suspensions of <laughs> Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Terrell Lewis, and Devonta Smith. Initially, it came out that they're going to be suspended for the first half. Um, then we we hear Saban kind of said like, "No, the reporting on that wasn't 100 accurate. We're still kind of working through the punishment." We think there's going to be a suspension if it's one of those like one sequence type deals or one quarter. I, I don't know what it's going to be. We expect that those guys the are going to be the first play of the game, <laughs> first play, and then we just bring them in the next very. Najee next Harris I, comes in at middle linebacker on the second down. Whatever it is, though, we were talking about this, how this kind of actually speaks to the revenge tour thing that they've been about, because as we find out, um, apparently Najee Harris and Brian Robinson missed a team movie. That's, see, this is one of my favorite things It's going to be. Now we're in the middle of the whole season of it, too, where it's going to be like where fans are going to... Fans, fans react irrationally to mostly everything anyway, because it's a, especially on social media, everything's a knee-jerk reaction. But now it's in season, so it, like things are heightened. You know what I mean? So it's just going to be. Oh, worse. you felt it yesterday. 100%. People, people responding with like, "This is typical Saban being a coward, putting for a half game too. Why don't you suspend him when it matters against against Auburn?" It's like, yeah, maybe we should wait eleven games, twelve games into the season, suspend him for missing. I don't know Hoosiers or whatever they went to go watch on Sunday. Probably wasn't Hoosiers. Cause it's terrible. That'd be great. Fantastic. Um, but no, I mean, like, yeah, Hobbs and Shaw, which if it was Hobbs and Shaw, you know. And that's that's the other thing, guys. And I know we joke around a lot, but we don't even know what movie it was. What well, was yeah, if it's if, if they miss Rocky Four, suspend it for the year. Oh, if it's Rocky Four off the team. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't need out. you anymore. Like, my, my, if you think you are above Rocky Four, you don't deserve a spot on this team. But if I it's something stupid, if it's, if it's, <laughs> if it's Ocean's 12. <laughs> Ocean's 12, 11? <laughs> yesterday, I wish we had that audio still, because yesterday I was like, I don't know if it's something stupid like Ocean's 11, 12. And then we just laughed hysterically because of how dumb that was. <laughs> and then moved on to whatever we were talking about. No, yeah. I, I think that that just kind of speaks to how serious Saban is being about th- this year. And he's like, hey, you're either with us or you're against us. Yeah. And that's that's the whole message that he wants to come across. And in a game win, like win, this, win, win. 
He can't because, let's be honest, the, the line is going to continue to move. It's probably moved from the time that we started recording this, but we think the line is going to be somewhere in the low to mid-30s that Duke is going to, or that Duke is going to be an underdog. Bama, of course, has won every single opener under Saban, and they won by an average of 28.8 points. So when you Ten look at one that... spread. 10-1 against spread, so pretty good. Probably the one game they didn't cover was what? That West Virginia game, I would guess? Yeah, um, that was awful. Was that or Virginia Tech, the, the following yeah, year, just it, was, it was miserable the, to watch. One of the Virginias or something like yeah. that. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. But so we, we talk about this, and like obviously like nobody is picking Duke to win this game. Uh, we just got stats from Vivid Seats. Duke is expected to have a 95% crowd showing at this game. What does that mean? As opposed to, as opposed to 5% Duke fans, 95% Bama fans. So, like, Bama fans will have Duke fans outnumbered 19 to 1. That's oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, that's a little, little, little interesting note I there. I just remember but the last time we played at Duke, it was kind of like a, a Vanderbilt situation because it's like, well, it's a kind of an easy drive. You go up there and see this this campus or whatever. But I just remember them, like, like this is peak 2010, so it was like that team with Julio and Ingram and Richardson and all this other stuff. And like, we just won the national championship. And they're coming out of the tunnel. It's like Musburger on ABC. He's like, you're looking live. And they came out of this tunnel or locker room, and it was like a half mile away from the damn stadium. So they just kept walking. There was like this, this march forever. It was like, when are we going to kick this thing off? It was awful. They did that. Uh, Virginia Tech has a really long, long yeah. walk, too. Really cool, though. Like, unbelievable yeah. entrance. Very, very cool. That is pretty cool. That's um, what I've heard. I heard Blacksburg sucks, but. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, you get inside the, the football walls, as yeah. anybody will tell you. Hell in, yeah. in a good college football town. Um, so it was interesting uh, talking to Gary Stokin about how, like, the, the origins of setting up this matchup. Say it, Connor. Kind of <laughs> so Gary, as you'll find out, was basically saying, like, you know, they were anticipating Daniel Jones to still be there and for Duke to potentially be a top 25 team. And how much differently would we be talking about this game if Duke was, yeah. like, a sneak top 25 team? Like, a, oh, can they upset Clemson? I don't think we're really going to be talking about Duke differently if they have Daniel Jones or not, because it's still Duke football, not Duke basketball. But this is going to be viewed, in my opinion, the entire year as like a punchline for Bama's schedule. And that's not going to change. Oh, yeah. Especially if they, you know, it doesn't matter if they win by 28 or 35, whatever it is, this will be a punchline because we expect this to be a little bit of a rough year for Duke. Yeah, and and that's fun. And you know what? Paul Feinbaum actually brought this up the other day. And and that's cool. Like you guys, you make your you make your little jokes, Mister Jokey Joke Maker, um, or whatever the line is from Dodgeball. That's fine, because that narrative changes next year when when they play like Miami True. and who and then like the the run they go on in the future is they got Georgia in the first three in week three, right? Yeah, but they, I mean like the out of conference games, like and who who did we open up with last year? Louisville after Lamar Jackson left. It's like right, right. Uh, like Saban is a is a master planner, but he's not like. <laughs> Hey, you know what? No. I think that yeah, dual threat quarterback in Bobby Petrino's system might be gone. Like, hopefully might be gone. And it wouldn't matter if they were there anyway. Um, here's, yeah, here's what I'll say, though, real quick on that. Is, is you bring up the, 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 the week schedule to start the year. Actually, as we find out more about, you know, Bama's injury issues, this is actually going to help a couple yes. of freshman linebackers where they don't necessarily have to play a game where we really think it's going to push them until they have to go to College Station in mid-October. It's all happening the way it's supposed to. I, I'm very excited. <laughs> so also, the best the best gif or meme or whatever uh, on, on this was somebody made the – you've seen the Avengers Endgame, right? No, that's not what my type. Hell, unbelievable! No, All right, we can't. We got to end the show. Um, so anyway, but yeah, the, I, I I think it was interesting the whole thing about Daniel Jones. He's, I mean, as you know, he's twenty five of thirty in the preseason, which is pretty damn good. So 
So Jerome Ford is expected to be like the guy for Bama in the backfield. I, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll offer our services. Like if, if Saban needs us to come in, spell a couple of true freshman line, inside linebacker as well, like we could do that, make a couple <laughs> tackles. We'll play both ways. Like we're going to be there anyways. We've got eligibility left. I think, you know, we already we, we already kind of opened our we, we kind of opened the door with Gary Stokin to be able to come and sit in some meetings. Yeah. Why not just make it an all-inclusive weekend for us and really get the full yeah. the full experience of what would be, you know, kind of all, all sides of, of college football. Let's do they're, it. They're they're letting us on the field. Which is just in the last, I mean I mean just who who messed up, man? How did we get here? Know. This is crazy. Um we'll talk more about etiquette later, but uh, yeah, you know, like I'm gonna get to go play, but I'm gonna bring a neck roll just to be on the safe side because I don't want to have any injuries when I do go out on the field and tackle somebody. Moving I already tweeted. I'm, uh, I tweeted. I'm bringing my cup just in case. Yeah. Uh, never. You can never be left without a cup. Weird that you Let, still have a the, cup, but yeah. Uh, well, you know, you never know. All right, Georgia, Vandy. We expect this to be a very Georgia-heavy crowd in Nashville. Okay. Again, according to our friends over at Vivid Seats, 69% of the crowd is expected nice. to be Georgia fans. Very nice. Our guy Candler Cook is going to be in the house. Yeah. Uh, Candler Cook, the former Georgia walk-on who we had come on the podcast earlier this offseason. Got some things planned later in the year with our good buddy Candler. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of things I'm looking forward to in this game, one of which being the debuts of Zamir White and George Pickens. I want to see the next great Georgia skill players, and especially against this Vandy defense that has a lot of issues, this should be a good showcase game for them. No, I agree. And so, and Pickens isn't starting, which is Still, much of the dismay care. of a lot of Georgia fans who are pissed, yeah, which is along. just, God, it's perfect. Um, no, we talked about this briefly yesterday. Like Pickens, I can't wait to see that kid. It's somebody I've said that I think could be a – First or second team All-SEC guy at the end of the year. And, and if he gets in, Fromm's a hell of a quarterback. I hope he throws every single ball just as inaccurate as possible. Like two feet so high, Odell, a foot behind everything. him, everything. Everything. Yeah. I want to see him go by, like Calvin Johnson at Clemson from whatever year that was. Like I oh, just yeah. I can't wait. Um, so Georgia has outscored Vandy 86-27 to the last two years. And as excited as I am about seeing the big three, and you know Kirby Smart, by the way, called the big three the best – the best group that they're going to face at that position at each of their respective positions this year. That's Kalaj yeah. Lipscomb, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Jared Pinckney. So shots fired at Florida. Kirby Smart. <laughs> no, didn't really get called out for that, yeah. but you know, I'll just come out here and say it. Um, random Vandy prediction for you. We already heard that Georgia fans are, are going to be making the trip. The median price for this game is like 248 bucks, which is like... How in the hell that's, is that possible? That's steep. That, that, that's, that's pretty steep. For uh, for week one in in Nashville, but we know alcohol is going to be sold there yeah. this year, um, and we we know that they have a couple of nice marquee home games against Georgia, against LSU. LSU. So my my bold prediction for Vandy this year: top ten nationally in increased attendance. Now that's not saying that much because they were twenty eight thousand last year. Yeah. But people should have a reason to go watch Vandy because you can drink and you can watch the big three. Go do it. Nashville's a, such a fun town too. Like, there's no reason if you're if you're gonna like. I mean, hell, man. When I when they recruited me, I took my official visit. Sick brag. I took my official visit the weekend of the Bama game because I was like, I was <laughs> I was still such a homer even then, uh, or probably way worse. But anyway, um, no. I mean, I think I think this will be. I was shocked that this isn't this is it's not a sellout because it's only twenty eight thousand. Because we talked about this as well. 
like if you ever seen when people do like this like a slide through of like hey like then and now of this is what the stadium used to look like they've been doing it like all week on instagram with this one account and it's like here's sanford stadium in 1936 and then 1970 something in 1990 and it's like twitter is now like vandy's just, <laughs> just you might as well show up in a damn model t because it's like it hasn't it looks like every single pre pre-world war ii picture of a stadium ever uh, I'm glad that they're finally making making the upgrades to their facilities because yeah. they are just way behind the eight ball. On the that. baseball facilities are incredible, and they, and they're like uh, they are actual true. workout they're facilities. True. But like, I've never been a fan of Memorial Gym or Coliseum, whatever it's called. I don't know. Oregon Auburn, the the premier Week One neutral site game in Dallas. We are excited to see the debut Man. of Bo Nix, what he's able to do with new Gus at the calls. Will Will New Gus follow the the early game plan that Dan Enos had for Jaron Williams? I yeah. kind of hope he does, but at the same time, New Gus is is super aggressive and he's super decisive. <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise me if New, New Gus. Gus if New Gus is just bringing New Gus Bo takes Nicks, what he like, wants. Yeah, he's just like leaving him back there in the pocket, throwing like fifty yard bombs from the jump, and yeah. he's like, "You think I got a running quarterback? Just wait till you see this kid's arm." I and saw a new Gus like in a new leather jacket with his, with the the collar popped up, trying to kiss your mom. Not yours personally, but you know what I mean. Anybody new, listen? New Gus doesn't care. New Gus <laughs> is lifting weights. He's getting after it. He, yeah, he's doing, for real. He's doing little spoof videos with our rolling guy up Josh cigarettes in his sleeves. I mean, I mean, new Gus is you don't you don't want to catch new Gus in a back alley on a Friday night. I'll tell you that much. Rolling dice, playing with knives and stuff. New Gus is—he's deadly. New Gus rides a moped and doesn't wear a helmet when he does. <laughs> All right, just remember what I said. You don't mess with him. Playing with knives—it's uh, not. You can't take a step down from that. Okay, so here's the thing. All things point to this happening, but I actually don't want to see Joey Gatewood play meaningful snaps. Yeah. And I like Joey Gatewood. I, I, I was changed. really excited to. I, I've changed so much. I really have ever since my Malik Willis <laughs> situation. Um, I, I like Joey Gatewood a lot, and I think that he is. You know, he's going to have a chance to to be a quarterback at the Power Five level, whether that's at Auburn, wherever it is. I, I don't know. He is still on Auburn's roster, and he is still going to be there as the backup in Week One. But here's the thing. I like the idea of giving Bo Nix every single snap possible. Yeah. If Auburn runs into an issue where they need an offensive spark, you know who I want to be the guy to provide it? Bo Nix. I yeah. don't want to have to worry about Joey Gatewood you know, looking over Bo Nix's shoulder. I don't want to have Bo Nix like, have that thought in the back of his mind of every throw I make I can come out of this game. I want Gus to truly own up to this QB1 decision, which I think he will, and I want him to leave him in in the tough times and just to be able to kind of read this high-pressure situation and just have the full reins of the offense. That's how your guy is going to become the leader. I think Gus will do that. I want Gus riding in. Right into Dallas, that big Knicks energy. Am I right? Oh, no, too much. Anyway, so listen, here's you know I'm really excited for in this game is, and you know we're, we're talking about the Dan Enos thing, just so you know, because I remember yesterday. and I'm still, Oh, you went on your soapbox. Yeah, I'm yeah. still heated about it because, well, what, what I'm going to say what I was excited about is, so you're going to be at the house watching this because we're going to be recording the podcast and having to do stuff, and Will's going to be over there. It's going to be Queso's first football weekend. Pretty excited. Oh, uh and I can't wait for you guys to experience what a game day is like with Allie because, like, as, with this job, I don't hate Auburn as much as I used to when I was, like, just a fan. She hates Oregon with the, the rage of a thousand suns. And it is going to be very interesting to see her pulling for Auburn openly in, in the midst of, of our family. So that'll be a lot of fun. So this game with uh, two teams that obviously you have had some interesting thoughts on in, you, in your household, um, 
I, I really want to see Anthony Schwartz. I, I, maybe we should be talking. Maybe by season's end, we're going to be talking about Anthony Schwartz the same way that we're talking about Kadarius Tony, mm. where we're like, get this guy touches, get this yeah. guy touches. He is a game time decision because he's got a broken bone in his hand. But here's the thing: he is crazy fast, as we know, world class speed. Like a guy me. that you know, if, if if you know Gus Malzahn is to use. Um, Anthony Schwartz in, in a in a similar way where you know just bubble screen and just watch him go and he has plays that he made like the one against Tennessee yeah then I think Auburn fans could have something special all right the odds that Gus Malzahn wears hold on a sweater hold on vest. calm down for a second let's let's let me weigh in on the on the Schwartz thing okay so, all right I'm speeding up I'm one just like Gus's one I can't wait I want him to score a touchdown I want him to play. Because I just want to use the gif from uh, Spaceballs, which says, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. So I can't wait for that. That's what I'm looking forward to most. But also, um, I I don't know if he's a Tony guy, because I don't know if he's as shifty as Kadarius Tony. And and what worries me is, like, if they use him, he's he's a weapon, for sure. He's the fastest kid in America. Like, I mean, that run he had last year against Tennessee was ridiculous. However, what I don't want to see, you talked about this yesterday, is... If you have a broken hand, catching a pass is a lot more difficult than taking a handoff, and especially a lot more difficult than a pop pass or something like that. So if they can get him using, I don't want to see him only using jet sweeps, mainly because I don't want New Gus to go back to his no, old no. ways. New Gus is using pop passes. All I day. hope so. Just pop passes. Uh, yeah, he's a hundred percent going to be in a sweater vest. Now let me say one thing real quick because I know you're going to skip over it about Jaron Williams and Danny Nose. And now we can, can real quick can Gus wear a sweater vest without sleeves? That'd be so sick. That would be that. That's the ultimate new Gus move. Look, if he, I hope he has like a crappy like early early. I'm sorry, like early 2000s, late 90s barbed wire tattoo. Not, not like a rock. Yes. Not like a rock sleeve. That's like, like a, a Brian Urlacher tattoo. Yeah, but like but thinner, like a Myrtle Beach like tattoo. Like you know what I mean, like oh, like okay. it looks like somebody that would go to Myrtle Beach that would get that. Where like yep. his wife would have like, oh yeah, I got I got um, Betty Boop. Right on my ankle or in my cleavage, like somebody like that. That's what I want New Gus to look like. I want New Gus to look like a crabby old old Myrtle Beach Gus. Um, right, get on your soapbox now. Here's the thing, Jared Williams. Talked about this yesterday. We in like how you have a freshman quarterback, and and, and you've said this a lot recently about how you love the fact that you're getting you're getting behind him early. You're 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 saying you're putting like out into the media. This is QB one. This is our guy. This is who we're riding with. Um, and you're showing your support of that guy. And 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 Dan Enos did a terrible job of this. And you brought it up yesterday. Um, I wish you would have intro it so it didn't sound like I'm just like ranting here. But Dan Enos brought up the whole thing about how he threw Jaron Williams under the bus. He was dis- he said he was he said he was super disappointed in, in Jaron Williams and, and the game that he played. And we're we're looking at each other like what what what, what in the world are you talking Everybody about? Everybody like, that he- saw him saw he played really well and like the future's bright at that position because that was your biggest biggest obstacle as a team that was like that was the worst position on the field for y'all at miami and you mm-hmm. like especially last year and you have this kid that as a freshman goes up against this defense in a game that they that no one thought they were going to be in at all and and goes right down the field the first drive of the game it looked good i thought the entire first half and, and just the offensive line couldn't couldn't give any protection but for enos to say that whole comment about how he didn't play well enough for us to win that he, if that doesn't prove what i said a long time ago about one 
all the stuff about Saban saying, yeah, we had some we had some issues with staff making a, a you know making it difficult to manage, and that wasn't an excuse. That's obviously I feel like a, a situation that probably was difficult to manage when you look at Gaddis and Loxley and they're back and forth in the media. The way Dan Enos is, and Dan Enos, if you're listening right now, I want you to I want you to listen up. Turn the volume up here. You are a coward for saying this, and I I know that sounds harsh, but that is such a coward move to hide behind a microphone and a press, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, <laughs> but to hide behind a microphone and to throw a 19-year-old kid under the bus who just went there and played his ass off for you, and you go in there and tell him that he didn't play good enough for your team to win. No wonder, no wonder you didn't have the character or the ex- just the 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 moral. What's the word I'm looking for here, Connor? I'm freaking Cajones. out. Cajones. Cajones. Yeah, that's the word I really want to say. Like, just the dignity to walk up to your employer as a grown-ass man and say, hey, I'm leaving for a better opportunity because I don't feel appreciated. I'm going to Miami. And that's why you packed up your entire office in the middle of the night and left instead of facing Nick Saban and saying, like, hey, I'm going to go. So don't ever sit here and talk about how a 19-year-old kid didn't do something when as, as the person that's supposed to be his leader doesn't have any leadership skills Obviously. Bye. People are wondering, how in the world do we go from talking about Auburn, Oregon? Well, yeah, it came up more naturally yesterday, <laughs> and I, I, I didn't want to not use it. Because it, it just it, – don't, don't, don't go after a kid like that. That's, that's so ridiculous. Uncle Chris, I don't know if it's possible to get you more riled up than you were right there. <sighs> and another want, thing. <laughs> can, you give the, can you give the people some, some gambling advice? Because we, we're not going to be able to talk about Texas State I'll and a and anyway. But – we we got some we got we got some good gambling tidbits that you need to provide the people. WrestleMania 34 this year, Atlantic City. Me and Enos. Um, yeah, let's talk a little gambling here. Okay, so Uncle Chris is back. We had a very average week. The definition of average: two, two, and one. Hey. hey. Um, a lot of that was because Florida's uh, offense and defense couldn't just hold it together for first half money line. All I needed: first half money line, guys. Pretty simple thing to do, uh, and we're not going to get involved in that Arizona State game. I Otherwise, I would have gone Enos. three, one, and one. So yeah, Danny knows. I guess Jaron Williams is good enough to win that first half money line. I thought he was great. Anyway, let's get into your picks or my picks for Our this picks. week's game. Our picks for this week's game. Up first, we have Toledo and Kentucky. The Toledo Rockets. Did you uh, did you not want to provide your? You had like a few like good gambling tidbits as well. I was kind of like what? setting you up for that. Well, you had your get you your Utah BYU stats. Oh, my picks of the that. week. Yeah, your picks of the Man, week. Man, I'm so glad you brought that up. Here are I'm my saying, picks of the week uh, that aren't just SEC. So in the SEC, I like Georgia at 20 and a half over Vanderbilt. I, that's my favorite pick of the week. Um, I like Utah money line. They are a currently a five point favorite on the road at BYU. And I tell you what, there's not a lot of quit in those Mormons, as you can tell if you've ever been in your neighborhood and see a bunch of people in that uniform of a bike helmet and short sleeve white Dwight Schrute shirt. Um, but if there's anybody that'll put a stop to them going door to door, it's the Utes. The Utes. That's what I always say. That's what I, I think everyone says that too. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I like Utah Monday Line. I like Georgia twenty and a half. And here is the other one. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a little bit off what I said from yesterday. Kansas. Oh, boy. You know what? Take the money line for sure. Kansas is playing Indiana State, which in typical Connor fashion, I brought this up, and he goes, oh, they're actually supposed to be pretty good this year. And I was like, For okay. an FCS team. <laughs> supposed to be good for an FCS sure. team. Sure. Um, take Kansas. Take the money line. Les Miles in his first game. I just I would be shocked if they weren't able to beat Indiana State. So I would take Kansas in the money line there. 
there were some other ones too that I forgot from yesterday. Yeah, I think it was um, you. Had, you were talking Portland State, Arkansas. If you oh, find Portland, the line if you could find Portland State, Arkansas, Arkansas is a twenty-eight and a half point favorite over Portland State, Arkansas, or over Portland State at home with that offense. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. Um, I, I would take Arkansas because twenty-eight and a half. See, I don't use like a hook at that at that number, but Portland State was bad last year. They were just bad. They have a very balanced offense. Um, but they were three and seven overall, and they played three FBS teams and gave up. They lost by an average of fifty-one to thirteen, which is a thirty-eight hey. point difference. They gave up seventy-two points to um, to Utah State. They gave up sixty-two to Oregon. So take Arkansas. That is another big pick of the week. That's that's five, right? Yeah, Utah State had the number two offense in the country last year too. Um, uh, shout out to them. No, it was Nevada. Saying- it was Nevada, not you, not Utah State. <laughs> Nevada. Whatever. And Utah, no, Utah State had the number two offense because they have Jordan yeah, Love. Sure. And yeah. Yeah, did Jordan you get Love a package did, from him? I did get a package. Are I mean, you serious? I did. I hate everything. That was that was very nice. It's it's a Football Writers Association of America oh, yeah. mailing list that they all send it out to. But you yeah, got a little Jordan Love Heisman thing. I didn't get the Ed Oliver bobblehead last year. That would have been a nice That'd keepsake. Cool. Yeah. I would have I would have really liked that. All right, we've got picks. Yeah. Toledo. Kentucky. Kentucky is an 11-point favorite as of this recording. Mm, 12. 12 12-point favorite. Probably should have had some updated spreads. I'm going to be reading some updated spreads in here. That's all right. I'll just read them for you. All right. That's fine. Toledo, Kentucky. I've got Kentucky winning this game. I've said my my thing throughout the entire offseason, Kentucky's offseason of disrespect. This is a chance for them to come out and assert their dominance. I brought up the the set before about in the last four openers, they have an average margin of victory of five points. I think Kentucky gets after it in a big way. I think they throw the ball all over the place in this one. Toledo... Toledo's defense struggles a lot. Even if Kentucky's defense doesn't look great, yep. this is a game that they should still win by three scores and cover easily. Yeah, I don't. That's a, uh, they're not going to win by three scores. That's crazy. Um, but what sure. Do you buy, what do you buy? Seventeen points isn't crazy. They're one and seven against the spread in their last eight openers. I know, but this, this, this is, is we're not also what they talking do. about. This, it, I know we're also talking about them coming off of a ten win season. That's, that's we're also talking about them. We're okay. Yes, okay, we are. But we're also talking about one of a very experienced team coming back with Toledo. Also, Kentucky replaces everyone on defense besides our man Cash Money. Um, I, so, yeah, I, I agree. With, it's cool they're coming off a 10-win season, but, like, they're also heading into a new season now. And so I, I think this is – and here's, here's the biggest reason why they don't cover, in my opinion, is, is, is you finally have put yourself in a position as a program that you don't have to go out there and, and beat the daylights out of everybody every single game because you're trying to save face or get to a bowl or keep the fans happy or whatever – like you don't have to do that at Kentucky right now, and Mark Soups has done such a great job of building up this program that he can he can put his offense out there in the first half and put Cavassier smoke, which by the way, best name ever. If All name team, yeah. If you're listening, mom, Christopher, that name sucks. Cavassier, way better. Anyway, awesome. um, but you have like Lynn Bowden and, and and Terry Wilson. I think they will have a big day, especially through the air against this terrible pass defense. But you got Florida coming to town in two weeks. There's no reason to show. A bunch of a bunch of that offense. It's just you know, um, don't open the garage door and show off all the new toys. I'm texting Cash Daniel as we speak. Why would you do that? Is, he is not happy. We've got three. We got three dots going. This is not good. This is not good. I don't. He's about to call you some bad, some bad, bad names. I, I hope wow. you're not really doing that. But either way, I, I think that I think that Kentucky's gonna win. I just I'll like text him your address. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, moving on. Ole Miss and Memphis. I know how you feel on this. The line. The line was at six and a half. It is all the way down to five. So Memphis five point favorite, 
Great. Jump all over that. I, I think Memphis wins this game. I, I think that Memphis represents the group of five in a New Year's Six Bowl this year. I've been saying that for a while now. I think that this is a Memphis team that the offensive firepower that they have, despite the fact that they lost Daryl Henderson, is just going to be too much for Ole Miss and all that inexperience that they have on the offensive side of the ball to stay with. Give me Memphis to cover in a home game, but there will be a lot of Ole Miss fans making the hour trip up to Memphis, no doubt. Yeah, agreed. Um I don't know, this is, this is interesting to me because Ole Miss' defense should be better when they return eight starters. They just lose so much on offense. And you have, you have Memphis, Memphis that is one of the only only one of two teams in the country besides Clemson that returns a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 1,000-yard running back. So that's, that's a, a lot of talent to bring back. Yep. You know, when you have a running back that was a backup last year and still put up 1,100 yards and 16 touchdowns, that, that is impressive. Um uh, here's the thing. I think Memphis is 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 like almost like Utah in terms of the fact that they're like not everyone's. They're like the worst kept secret in the country. Like they they are going to be a very good team. Uh, they are they're going to be a fantastic offense. They ranked in the top seven in three of the four major offensive categories last year. I, I think they beat Ole Miss because it's Matt Corral against the world. They just they don't have enough coming back on offense for them to to challenge. I think or stay with Memphis. Um, you're asking that defense to get a lot better real quick. Right, and and that I just I don't see that happening. So I think Memphis wins. I think Memphis covers, um, and I, I think they do so because of you look at last year and they left they left some things on the table like when they should have beat UCF and should have put them away and they didn't. This is the perfect thing in, in a somewhat rivalry game to to kind of like make a statement for their season. Let's keep it in state. What's that line Mississippi State favored against Louisiana road game playing in New Orleans? Mississippi State is the debut of Tommy Stevens at Mississippi State. What's that line at right now? It's down to twenty. Okay, so down to 20. Mississippi, Mississippi State, a 20-point favorite. I'm still taking the Fighting Joe Moorheads to win this game because, yes, while Louisiana does have that nice two-headed rushing attack, I still think that they should be able to run the ball a lot with Kylan Hill. This should be a huge Kylan Hill game. And even if the defense doesn't look quite up to snuff, a little bit like Kentucky, maybe the defense you know, takes that step back that we're all expecting, but the offense at the same time I think should be a lot better. I think they should be able to cruise in this one. Yeah, I think I think sometimes Connor, I'll be honest. I think you get blinded by some of your fan your fandom. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa! It's first of all, it's it's a it's a Joe Moorhead bromance. Let's well, it's that it in Kentucky. I'm just letting you know right now, just from a gambling standpoint. Here's why you should be concerned. Louisiana Lafayette was garbage last year, hot garbage at best, because it is Louisiana. It's a very hot state, but they had the 92nd ranked de- uh, rush defense. Which, yeah, agreed with you. I think Kylan Hill should have a big day. He should run all over these people. However these people um but like like i'm still concerned with what yeah losing lafayette they bring back two 1000 yard rushes you talked about the other day about how they have the two running backs have 2700 yards combined 26 touchdowns combined from scrimmage that's a lot and mississippi state lost a lot of production off that defense and i know that bob shoop is everyone's really high on him because of how great that defense was last year and they've got they still have talent coming back especially in the secondary i think that it, it, there's a reason why Louisiana Lafayette, who's been about as average as possible under under Napier, there's a reason why there's 62% of the bets and 77% of the money are on Louisville, or I'm sorry, wow, Louisiana Lafayette to cover. Um, so I'm going to take them to cover. I think it might be a backdoor cover, but I'll still say they cover late. They just go by Louisiana now. Whatever, you know I don't care. In fact. Yeah. Um, all right, we are, you already said your one of your locks, Arkansas, to take care of the 28-point yeah. spread against Portland State. I agree. I don't think that'll be much of an issue. Uh, South Carolina. It's up to 11. South Carolina's an 11-point favorite against UNC in Charlotte. So mad the, at myself. The debut slash return of the Mac, Mac Brown. 
facing a, a border rival in South Carolina. Um, I, I don't know. I've, I've gone back and forth on this one, but I, you know, I, I just think that I could see a scenario in which this stays close and maybe South Carolina is leading by 14, something like that. The rushing attack with Feaster and Dowdle looks, looks better than, than what it has in years past. And backdoor cover from UNC to make this game even closer. And it's instead a seven point South Carolina win UNC covers. Here's, here's, yeah, it's almost like you don't want to make money gambling. Um, so, Whoa. so, Whoa. <laughs> so, How dare you? so Man. South Carolina, I, I said this in the summer, seven and a half points is, is not enough. And this is a UNC team that was, they were seven and three, um, oh, in the over under, they, they covered the over seven times out of 11 games, which is really impressive. Their, their offensive line only gave up 10 sacks last year. That's, that was fifth best in the country. Also that over under record was fifth best in the country. So that's cool. Um, you start a true freshman quarterback against a team that is hungry to prove people wrong and very motivated. And I said it at seven and a half, it was way too low, and I should have jumped on it then because it has come up three and a half points in a week is a lot. And here's the scary part, ton. Connor: sixty-five percent of the of the total bets are on them, but eighty-six percent of the money. So when you still have the money being placed on on South Carolina by an overwhelming amount, that is cause for concern if you are betting on UNC. So. I like I like South Carolina. I like them to cover. I, th- I think it'll be by at least fourteen. And the main reason why is because that front seven they have is a lot better than people give them credit for. They have a huge upgrade at running back. And honestly, I think this is one of those games that that Wilmuchip has to win. He just has to win. Also, UNC is they haven't won a, a neutral site game since two thousand ten, and they've lost their last four openers and are one and five in their last six against the spread in, in season openers. Boom! That's off the top of the head, bro. All right, different coaching staff, but whatever. We can oh, I'm sure they'll turn it all fine. around then. I'll, they'll turn it all around, all this, all this new coaching staff. <laughs> Georgia, Georgia State, Tennessee. Speaking of different coaching staff, Tennessee is a 26-point favorite in this one. Tennessee has not beat an FBS team by at least 28 points since the 2015 Outback Bowl against Northwestern. So we all remember where we were for that classic. I actually do. I was in the SDS offices watching that game. It just stunned that Northwestern was that bad. It was pretty awful. But Pat Fitzgerald sucks, man. Wow, oh. don't even go there. <laughs> Jim Chaney flex game, Tennessee covers. Tennessee's week of good news, hearing that not only oh, man. is Aubrey Solomon grant, granted immediate eligibility, but also Trey Smith has been medically cleared to play. Great, great That's week awesome. for Tennessee leading up to this game. Awesome to see. I think the Vols have a lot of good mojo. This ends up being just a great week one showing. Gets Vols fans feeling good going into 2019. Two five-star linemen and Trey Smith. It's almost like Uncle Chris when he said this could be the most improved team in the SEC and the most improved offensive line. I shouldn't even held it to the SEC East. This is gonna be this is gonna be a lot of fun to watch. I can't wait to see Jarrett Garantano. Garantano, uh, as we were which we'll talk about. By yeah, that is David Yeah, guarantee you, I'm not gonna say that anyway. Um, so Georgia State was one of the worst teams in the country last year. Um, which, you know, it's probably because they're constantly not able to sleep with all the sirens they have to hear in downtown Atlanta, as you guys have become accustomed to, as you've heard this podcast. Now, they were 2-9 and nine against the spread. That is bad. That is real bad. Real bad. Second worst in the country. So why would I assume that traveling to one of the biggest stadiums in the country, uh, play, playing a team that is ripe for improvement, um, why would that get any better? It won't. Tennessee is going to win. They're going to win by at least four touchdowns. I think this is like a 41-3 to type deal. Um, Georgia State's offense is not great at all. Their, their defense isn't great. The only thing good about this team is they have a punter, who I can't remember his name. He averaged 48.3 yards per punt last year, which was third best in the country. 
Wow. Tennessee covers. Know. Boom. All right. Bama, Duke. We've already talked about it. I have, I, I have skepticism about Duke covering, or Alabama covering, rather, a 33.5 point spread, and that's subject to change. That's going to move a lot. I think that Duke ultimately is going to be able to cover, and not necessarily because of the suspensions, because of the injuries or whatever, and I'm not saying this game is going to be close by any stretch of the imagination. Bama could still easily win this game 42-14 to and not cover, but the thing that gives me reservations, Steve Sarkeesian learning the pieces with this offense. Yeah. Yes, we could, easily see, we, we could easily see a scenario in which Tua is just throwing the ball over the place, and we look up, and it's 21-0 in the first quarter or whatever, but I just think Duke... With the experience it has on the back end, maybe not quite as susceptible to some of those like just massive bombs to Jerry Judy where it's, a, it's just a punch in the mouth from the get-go. Steve Sarkeesian still learning some of the, the pieces, how this is all going to work. A lot of mouths to feed. Everybody's a superstar now. That's the thing that's different about this year coming into last. You know, Last year, everybody's still establishing themselves in that young receiving core, and this year, it's just a totally different ballgame. So I'm going to say that Duke actually does cover a 33.5-point spread, though I don't feel good about it. I think the under would be the best play uh yeah the unders come down like five points so far in this game um so i don't disagree with that however uh, here's the thing bama is 10 and 1 against the spread in years uh or under saving in in openers um but if when you look into a deep dive into spreads where it was um they were spread they were favored by 30 or more points they're only 11 and 22 since 2005 Mm. so and like that, so it's still two years before Saban got there, but that's not. I mean, like I don't remember them. I don't know who they would have been favored by thirty points or more against in two thousand five or six. Regardless, that doesn't bode well. I just, I, I don't think, I don't think Duke. I don't know if they score. I just, I, I don't. And I, and I thought I, I've said that since before the Dylan Moses injury, and, and I, I think I'm going to stick to it just because. You know, I, I, this is one of those games where, where we've just we've everyone has doubted Bama this entire offseason, and this week especially, they've doubted them more and more. Now, I, I, maybe they maybe they don't put up as many points um, as they you, we thought they would, but I just don't see how Duke without Daniel Jones and, and you've lost eighty five percent of your receiving and tight end uh, production. I don't I don't see where they're going to score against Bama. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Bama to win forty five. Say it's forty five to ten, which is very reasonable. Okay. I mean, there you go. 45-10 would still be, yeah, Bama covering. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. So, we've got four to get through. Well, I guess three. We already did George and Vandy. Yeah. I, I'm taking Georgia to cover in that one as well. I think Georgia wins by by four touchdowns. Easy. Um, but three three to get to. Georgia Southern against LSU. LSU's a 27-point favorite. We've talked about this before. This game ahead of the Texas game. Very, I'd be, I'd be a little bit worried if I, if I were, you know, betting, betting on LSU for the simple fact that, you know, with a new offense, could have a little bit of a slow start. Georgia Southern played with the slowest tempo of any team in FBS last year. They're a triple option team. Just a weird way to start the season for LSU. Maybe a little bit of looking ahead, not wanting to show anything too extravagant with this offense. I could easily see a scenario in which LSU does not cover 27 point spread. So I'll take the 27 with Georgia Southern. Yeah, this is weird. This is the one that's most confusing out of all of them to me because because this first off the over under has come down to seven full points from sixty to fifty three, which is crazy. But also, I, I mean, it, it's it has way less to do with the fact that like they're they're gonna. I, I think they're gonna want to like not show a lot on offense, but they're gonna want to get like in a good rhythm on this with this new RPO offense. Um, but facing a team that runs a triple option, and it's not just that, it's a team that won 10 games last year. And they returned a lot of that production. They returned Shy Wirtz, a quarterback who, like I said earlier this week, 
25 touchdowns. Only quarterback in the country with zero interceptions, which a lot of that is throwing, or a lot of that is running the triple option. This might be a game where you just, you know what? You might want to keep that ball on the ground the whole time because that secondary is going to be a nightmare. But, you know, I just. Playing against a triple option, I mean, you saw the Citadel last year with Bama. You've seen it like the Georgia Southern game a couple years ago. You saw it, um, teams like Florida and, and South Carolina they've had to have to, had trouble against this in the past. I just I don't know. You're going to want to get them starters out early, early because right. you don't need anybody getting cut cut block and, and chop block and any kind of stuff. Not chop block, cut block. Anyway, so I got I got LSU not covering. Okay, let's. We got uh, a couple more here. We got Mizzou and Wyoming. Weird game. Mizzou on the road, seventeen and a half point favorite. I'm gonna guess that Mizzou is gonna cover, even though uh, an opener in Laramie just just strange. But I think the the beginning of the Kelly Bryant era gets off to a nice start up there. Uh, I I don't know about uh, what what Craig Bowl necessarily has on that defensive side. We talked about. You know, just how strange the circumstances are for for Kelly Bryant with not knowing if this team is going to the post, can go to the postseason, any of that, but kind of the us against the world type thing. That's my theme today. If you have an us against the world type thing, maybe um, going into a season, you're a team that's been doubted by a lot of people, I'm just going to decide to bet on you in week one and and just kind of go from there. Yeah, agreed. I mean, also, shout out to Missouri and Kelly Bryant. Just thoughts and prayers because. I, Clemson is such a fun environment to play in, and I'm not saying that Mizzou's not, but I, I, I am going to say that Wyoming doesn't seem like it would be. Not um, as much. I would not like. It, I just like this is. Listen up, Mizzou. Listen, I've, I've supported you guys and defended you for a very long time. This is this is a you can't sit with us situation. Okay, we're we're too pretty in the <laughs> SEC to be hanging out with Wyoming. Okay, that is not a state that we like to converse with ever. Not at lunch. Not after six period. Anytime. Don't do not bring them over. To the table, um, yellow and brown is just the ugh, ugh, gross. Anyway, I take Mizzou to cover. I don't think it's close. Uh, I think they they put everyone on notice um, to start the year. And uh, what was the? Oh yeah, I think like the the gift that reminds me of this the most is uh, from from Die Hard when he throws that guy out of the window and he's like leaning out over the edge like to the cops he's like Welcome to the party, pal. And I, I feel like that's what Mizzou's about to do with everyone in the SEC because they are gonna. Put everyone on notice. My favorite movie, Die Hard, as you know. That's right. We watched together for, for the first time for me. All right, last one. Auburn, Oregon. Oregon is getting three and a half points. I've talked myself into Auburn. It, the more and more this year that we have that we've that we've talked about Auburn and the offensive line improvement, what they have coming back on the defensive line, just the assertiveness that we think New Gus is gonna have with the play calling. I'm buying the, the belief that, that Auburn is able to, to put together a nice drive late and win a game 24-17, to 17, win a game that kind of feels a little bit like what we saw last year with Auburn and Washington in the opener. These defenses are going to play smash-mouth football, but give me Bo Nix to have a big coming-out party week one. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I will say this. I think this is a game that, that Auburn's going to get punched in the mouth a little bit up front, and, and, and people aren't going to be um, ready for it because this is a very good offensive line. Uh, Very good. Um, you know, it's an, it's an offense that returns 10 starters, five following the offensive line with 153 combined starts. I I like Oregon. I, I want to pull for Oregon as a Bama fan, but, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to. Um, I'm very excited for this game. I meant to do this yesterday, so I'm going I'm to do it now. Um, shout out to Bay because this Saturday – will be our one-year anniversary from getting engaged. So oh, very excited for very that. Nice. Uh, she is incredible. So I'm going to take her side, as I've learned to do. And I'm going to be pulling for Auburn in this one. I think Auburn is going to be losing, 
uh, early. I think I think they're going to be having a come from behind situation here, and I think you're going to see as time goes on in the trenches, Oregon's not going to hang with with just the toughness and and the size and and the athletes that are from the SEC. And I think I think Auburn is going to be losing by seven going to the fourth quarter, and we see Big Nick's energy coming in, oh, having a huge huge first game. And closing out with a win, I think they cover the spread. I think they come from behind in the fourth quarter, and it's going to be one of the best games of the year. Let's do – can we do rapid fire over under? Rapid edition? fire, go. Rapid fire. All right. Toledo, Chris Kentucky. got to catch a plane. Over under, Lynn Bowden touchdowns. I set the over under for your boy at 1.5 touchdowns. Over. Go. Not, not surprising. Ole Miss Memphis. Shots of screaming Rich Rod. I set the over-under at 6.5. I still say zero because I, I think he's trying to rebuild his zero. image. Zero! Okay. Uh, no, not zero, not zero. My bad. I'm, I still say under. Under because I think okay. he's trying to rebuild his image. All right. I would take whatever odds would be on Rich Rod screaming zero times in a football Ooh. game on live television would be because that would be fantastic. There's a All Popeyes right. at the airport. I just realized. Ooh, they're sandwich. out of chicken, though. They're out of chicken. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Should have got it earlier. Mississippi State, Louisiana. Mentions of Joe Moorhead's crazy weight loss story. I set the over-under at 1.5, knowing that they're probably going to talk about it at the top. Maybe going to come back to it later, but that's it depends on garbage time. Yeah, I, th- I think it's over. I think it's like two or three times. Okay, maybe quick over-under Joe Moorhead weight loss by the time the opener starts. Is it going to be over-under at 65 pounds? He was at 57 at media days. I don't care. Um, over. All right. <laughs> Portland State, Arkansas, your boy, your other boy. Yeah. Dijon Scuda Harris, how many tackles is he going to have? I set the over-under at 9.5, keeping in mind game against FCS competition might not be playing a lot late. Yeah, so that's a really good point. But at the same time, you know, it's a guy that we don't know if they're going to go bowling. And this is for two years in a row, he's had over 115 tackles. So I am going to still take the over here. Okay. South Carolina, UNC. To carry on Joyner, somebody who has been talked about a lot this offseason, going to be moving to quarterback three, Ryan Helinski, a.k.a. Ryan Helsinki, is QB two, the backup for Jake Bentley. But Will Muschamp came out and said that Dickerian Joyner is going to get touches in this game. He's definitely going to be playing in this one. I set the over-under at his touches at 2.5. Under, he'll have one, and it'll be some stupid play like on second down or on first down right after they got a first down where yep. he'll come in. And like, oh, Dakarian Joiner's behind center. Here's something new. Here's a wrinkle. And then, for whatever reason, they'll send Jake Bentley out wide because they think it'll be confusing. Like, anyone's going to trust Jake Bentley to play receiver. Prove us wrong, Brian McClendon. We'd love to see it. Yeah, for real. George, Georgia State, Tennessee. Jared Garantano, your boy, touchdowns. I set the over-under at, at 2.5. Keep in mind, he has never had a game of three touchdown passes in his career. You know, it's 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 the typical fake news media that would say something like that right now. Connor never had never had three. He's gonna have three in the first half. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. How's that All for right. a bold take? Yeah. So he's gonna have like sixteen in the game then. All right. <laughs> well, no, he'll be pulled by the second half. I'll just get three yeah. in the first. Fair enough. Bama Duke. Two of first half pass attempts. I set the over under at sixteen point five. This one's interesting because it's like if you if, if we didn't have Najee out, I'd be like, oh yeah, under. I'm still gonna say under because if that offense last year, like how many times did we we get to halftime? It's like Tua is eleven of thirteen for mm-hmm. three hundred and thirty yards. Like I, I they're they're too explosive. I think he'll have under sixteen completions. I think he'll have it. I think he'll have three first half touchdowns. I think. Uh, he'll have over 200 yards passing in the first half as well. 
All right, this is the one I think I'm most excited about, most proud of myself about. Georgia Southern against LSU. Of course, we know Georgia Southern runs a triple option. LSU is putting in the RPO system. Um, how many times are we going to hear the word option said? And RPO, uh, mention of RPO counts as the word option. I set the over-under at 19.5. Um, I, I, I'm going to say over. Okay, I'm one say over. every three minutes of game time. That, yeah. would, that, would be, that would be a lot. All right, Mizzou, Wyoming. How many completions of 20-plus yards downfield are we going to get for Kelly Bryant? That was his big issue at Clemson. The downfield accuracy struggled with that. I set the over-under at two. Um, I think it's going to be right at two, but I'm going to take the over either way. I, I think it's going to be right at two because I think it's one of those things where they're they're gonna they're gonna be that's what they're gonna be trying to work on first off. Um, and this is a kid that you know I think he's probably progressed a lot since the last time we've seen him. I I think in that offense they're gonna they're gonna have the strips of field with Derek Dooley, and I think he'll be better. Okay, Georgia Vandy. Uh, how many Jake from fishing references? I set the over under at one point five. Now originally our buddy Tom Hart was scheduled to be on the call for this game. It got because of Hurricane Dorian that's making its way to, to Florida. This game was moved from SEC Network to ESPN. I'm not sure if Tom Hart's still going to be calling. Do they have a game at group. all? I'm no. The LSU game got moved to SEC Network, so I'm not sure how that works for all them because mm. I think they're in College Station right now, or they were like Thursday, or whatever. Um, I don't but, yeah, get it. I we could text Tom sense. Hart and make this happen if he's still on the call for that game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I am going to say under. I think okay, everyone's over one. it. He didn't even have that many fishing things from this year. Um, there's not really... You know what? Oh, you know what I just realized? He likes fishing. Commodores and, and the whole Navy theme. This is going to go over because there's at oh, some point there's going to be a couple really yeah. lame... Especially now with Tom Harsin on the call, there's going to be some other lame announcer that's going to be on it and it's going to be like, you know who else loves fishing besides uh, the old Commodore? <laughs> uh, Jake Fromm. And he's got him biting tonight down here in Ugh. Nashville. Got it. Anchor down, right? Anchor down, am I right? Uh, Auburn, Oregon. Last one. Total touchdowns for Bo Nix. I set the over-under at 1.5. Over. Over. He I'm has 15 touchdowns. Dang. No, that's not real. Um, this is going to be such a beautiful game because, you know what, guys? I'm just going to say it. Either way, it's a win for me. If Auburn loses, it's, you know, Easy. that's that's good. If, if they, if they, <laughs> they're, they're going to win. But, I mean, um, it's going to be a really interesting game, I think. You know, people forget about how close that Washington game was last year. And I, and I said oh, that all last year. I thought Washington was going to win. Um, I, th- I just think this is going to be a really interesting game because I do think the Pac-12 is deeper than, than people are giving them credit for this year. This is going to be fun. I, I, Michael Wayne Bratton, as I always say his full name, we did our picks, and he has he has Auburn winning by 20, which makes me feel Whoa. so much better about having them cover the spread because he's he was way better than I was about that last year. But he has them winning 33-13. to 13, So Dang. I, I think it's, it's going to be one of those things where new Gus – it's just that that pack of Marlboro Reds rolled up in his white tee, yep. and and just I think he puts it on them, and I think uh, I think they win. So, all right, that was a successful over under edition, rapid fire over under edition um, picks. Hopefully, we make you some money. Let us know if we do make you some money. Hopefully, we do. I need to borrow um, some. We will have also Facebook Live Saturday morning. That's the plan, right? Tentatively speaking, with yep. some last minute gambling advice with Uncle Chris, that'll be great. All right, we have our interview with. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl CEO and President Gary Stokin got into a lot of great stuff with him. So here is our good buddy, Gary Stokin. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest, a biannual guest, in fact. It is Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl President and CEO Gary Stokin. 
the Chick-fil-A kickoff game is entering year 12. We've got Duke and Alabama. Gary, before we get to that, I like to think that your Chick-fil-A consumption is always at an all-time high leading up to game time. Well, I've probably got about 15 pounds of Chick-fil-A on my body from uh, working here 22 <laughs> years. Um, but it's a great uh, great uh, meal, pre-game meal, after-the-game meal. I mean, any time, um, particularly for, for us that work late during these, these uh, times. So, yeah, we have one probably about 100 yards away. So we're very blessed to uh, okay. have Chick-fil-A as a partner for 22 years. And... Uh, They've been they've been good to us. We've been good to them, and that's what creates a great partnership. So a, a lot has changed since I think the last time that we talked to you, because you know we talked to you back in December. But one of the trends this off season has been these high profile teams that are scheduling these huge headliner home and homes. You've obviously been running the premier neutral site kickoff game for the last decade plus now. How has this impacted what you're trying to do? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I think what's happening is. With ticket sales becoming a challenge more and more because TV's doing such a great job and because, you know, uh, season ticket holders are becoming older and older in the baby boom generation, uh, a lot of the ADs are looking at uh, shoring up their home schedule so that they can keep that revenue from their season ticket base because that's how they, the most money they make during the college football season is from those donations from those ticket buyers and also the ticket revenue um and i think if you look most of those home and homes are like 25 26 27 28 and even into the 30s i like i think a lot of the ad's are hedging their bet that the uh, cfp is going to expand in 26 and so strategically they're looking at okay if i if you believe eight teams are going to be the the playoff, one is going to go to a group of five, five conference representatives. There's two at large slots available, and if we lose a one conference game and we lose a tough non-conference game to a big time opponent, you know we still think we can get in as an at large with an 18 playoff. So, I think for those two reasons, to make sure they keep their season ticket base happy and keep that revenue, and secondly to possibly you know help themselves with strength of schedule getting into an expanded cfp uh i hope the cfp doesn't expand but i think that's what most ad's are looking at potentially down the road uh much much more important question um how how much has this chicken sandwich war with popeyes impacted y'all like emotionally (laughs) (laughs) you know i I voted a few times online for chick-fil-a so uh we're we're engaged. We're involved. Yeah, that's. I tell you what, and like I've seen. I haven't tried the Popeyes thing yet, but all it's done is made me hungry for Chick Fil A. I've had Chick Fil A like every other day since this is stupid right? trend. And well, it really maybe is. Maybe this is a Chick Fil A plot then. Ooh, so you tell I us. thought that's, of that. That's smart. About that. Um, uh, so going back to more of the uh, like the future vision or planning for the game, does does the home and home shift that you know Connor brought up earlier, does that inadvertently open the door to potentially or potential early season um, like a power five power five versus a group of five or group of six matchups? You know, I think what it's done for us is it's it's really helped us in some ways because it's further influenced more ads to say you know what the CFP is demanding. We play a tough non-conference schedule, 
And so if you can't get that big home and home, you're looking somewhere to play somebody. And as I've always told people, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I love home and homes. But we're an alternative that if you can do neutral, neutral, like we've worked with Alabama on, you know, Nick Saban gets it. He's been able to do neutral, neutral with us in Dallas or us in Orlando. Number one, it's in great recruiting bases for them in Florida, Georgia, and Texas. Number two, he's making money both years versus a home and home. You make money when you're at home, but when you go away, you don't make any money. Um, thirdly, he's, he's filling out that non-conference demand that the CFP has now to make sure you play a tough game. Fourthly, he does it in the first game of the year because that indirectly impacts his off-season workouts with his kids uh, because they really get, you know, a real new whole new intensity level in their workouts when they know they're playing a ranked opponent or a big-time game in a big-time, you know, uh, neutral site. Um, so for all those reasons, whether it's recruiting, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, getting his kids ready, um, whether it's helping his scheduling with the CFP. I mean, you only need to look to 2017 when Alabama number one was playing Florida State number three preseason in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, that that win ultimately helped put them over the top in 2017 to get into the CFP semifinals. And ultimately they won the national championship that year. Uh, and I think the last thing is, you know, in talking to Nick, you know, he will tell you that most teams, they'll improve from game one to game two the most than any other time during the season because you have live film that you can coach off and teach off of. And if you're, you have that film against a big-time opponent that individually you're playing against an all-conference or an all-American player on the other side right. or collectively as a team, you're playing against a high-ranked opponent, that will get you ready for the rest of the season. Uh, and developing your team individually and collectively is something that he's done very, very well. So all good points. This is this is the sixth time that Bama's opened the season in Atlanta, and and so just kind of speaking of that, how's the attendance or <clears throat> and or the participation of the fans? Excuse me, uh, participation of the fans changed throughout those years, if at all. Well, Alabama's fans are just tremendous. I mean, I don't know if there's another school, you know, there's there's a lot of good schools that have a lot of great fan bases, and Alabama's got to be up there, you know, with any of them. Uh, they've supported our game tremendously well. Uh, we're going to wind up selling out this game, Alabama and Duke. Um, and I, I think partly because strategically, for the most part, we've matched ACC versus SEC because we have the number one or number two alumni base of every ACC and SEC school living in Metro Atlanta. Number two is it's an easy drive for people. So a 3.30 game is a 2.30 game back in Alabama. People could literally drive up the morning of the game, go to the game, and they could drive back home if they wanted to. So uh, yeah. it's an easy access for a lot of the ACC and SEC schools. And um, so the Alabama people, have, you know, I think they look at, at Atlanta as their second uh, second home because uh, they're, I think, I might get this wrong, but I think Nick is 13-1 uh, when you combine all the SEC, the national championship games, and the Chick-fil-A 
Peach Bowl and Chick-fil-A kickoff games that they've played in Atlanta, either in the Dome or in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Next year in 2020, I know we were talking about before this shift to the home and homes, but next year, y'all got three games. You have Georgia, Virginia, <laughs> you've got UNC, Auburn. How in the world do hey, you pull off hey, hosting three games in one week? Connor, don't tell my staff. <laughs> 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 they do all the work, and I, wa- I want to keep them focused on this one game because if they start thinking about three games, they're liable to kill me. Um, no, we're, we're uh, you know, if you're in this business, that's what you love to do, and we, we've been called the capital of college football, and so, you know, we've done, we've, I guess, between the people that have said that, whether it's Forbes or ESPN or CBS or whomever, uh, I think they've done it because we've given back to college football, whether through, you know, bringing the Hall of Fame to Atlanta or starting the kickoff game or moving up to the CFP. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, if we can do it, we're going to do it. It's never been done in college football history, three games in a week. Uh, we will sell out all three of those games. So we'll have, you know, somewhere between 280 and 300,000 people coming to Atlanta over a week for college football which will wind up being in Atlanta, which is the fourth largest convention town in the United States. It'll be, you know, between those three games and our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, four of the top six conventions in this city next year will be college football. Uh, and there'll be four. Four will be our college football events. The fifth will be the SEC, and the sixth will be a convention. So that's how important college football is to Atlanta. So as it relates to, to this year's game, you've told us about your relationship with Saban in the past, how he was the first person that you had you know, back in that game in 2008. You, know, you had your, a relationship with him back when he was at LSU and first getting started right. there. T- tell us how this whole matchup with Duke came together, and was there any hesitancy with, with Duke? Because a lot of people talk about, you know, Alabama always says, oh, it's, it's, you know, Saban will say it's difficult to, to get teams to want to play us. What was that like from, from both of their perspectives? Yeah, so I had Alabama coming back in, in this year, and uh, I, you know, looked at uh, quarterbacks and coaches' contracts, et cetera, and recruiting and everything. And, you know, I knew Duke was going to be uh, a good team. Uh, Daniel Jones was supposed to be a senior this year. He went early. If he's back, Duke's probably ranked in the top 25. Here's a guy that went number six in the, in, to the New York Giants in the NFL draft and probably, you know, maybe starting by the end of the year in the NFL. So, you know, that was a big loss yep. for Duke. But going into us doing the contract, we'd expected him to be back. Number one. Number two is Cut was, uh, this was supposed to be the last year of his contract. And uh, so I called Nick and I said, Nick, Cut's an Alabama guy. He was in the program when Bear Bryant was there. Um, it's his last year of his contract. You know, would you play Duke? And uh, both are good personal friends of mine. And Nick said, yeah, you know, we'd, we'd love to play Duke. So, um, you know, we we scheduled the game and then Daniel Jones <laughs> Winds up having a great year last year and goes to the pros early. Uh, so obviously that wasn't something we planned. And David wind up signing a new five, four or five year contract, I think last year. Um, so he'll, he'll be coaching, which is great for a lot, of, lot more years. Um, but Duke returned 16 starters and, 
you know, their their defensive line is deep and, and good. Their offensive line is played a lot of ball. They're a little young. Um, their defensive backfield is excellent. Uh, they unfortunately lost Singletary, yeah. which is, you know, Singleton, which is, uh, you know, hurts. But, you know, that's one of the strengths of their team. And the strength of Alabama's team is their passing game with Tua and, and Judy and, you know, those wide receivers, Ruggs and those guys. So, you know, I think that's going to be a good matchup. The first half is going to be very, very good and very, very competitive. It's a matter of whether Duke can withstand the depth and, and the athleticism of Alabama in the second half, I think. You just, I mean, we don't have to record an episode tomorrow, Connor. That's like the best breakdown <laughs> imaginable. And I love Seriously. the Daniel Jones talk. I appreciate that. Um, so how has the buzz been around this game and, it, it, like, week one games in general for, for y'all? Because I feel like week zero may have stolen a little bit of the spotlight this year. Um, and what's the expected turnout for each fan base? Yeah, so uh, Alabama and Duke are selling through their tickets from what they've told us. Um, we've sold all of our tickets. Um, and for us, the way this works financially, I mean, we, we contract guaranteed amount of tickets to both schools. So we've sold those to the schools, and then we guarantee them a, a payout. So for our side, you know, we're going to have a sellout. And uh, now it's up to Duke and Alabama to sell, you know, their allocation of tickets, which from talking to them, they're going very, very well. Um, it's kind of interesting, you know, being in this business 22 years, it used to be with bowls and, and even when you started to kick off game in 08, you know, you'd send it out to your season ticket base and the tickets would get gobbled up. Well, now it's kind of interesting. People are waiting. And I think the secondary market has become the primary market now. So people yeah. aren't necessarily buying yeah. their tickets right up front. They're kind of waiting to see what the price point is. And then they jump in. So what we've heard from both athletic programs are, you know, they're selling tickets late, but they're selling them by the bundle. Um, so I think the secondary market now, it's, it's changed in my lifetime that people now look at the secondary market and say, you know what, I'm not going to buy up front. I'm going to wait and see if the price dips, and then I'll buy because there's going to be inventory available. But, yeah, we'll have That's a sellout. Point. And... Um, you know, and then we've already announced the sellout for our uh, CFP semifinal Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So, you know, having the number two team and then at the end of the season either having number one against four or two against three. Uh, you know, last year we had number six against nine, Washington against Auburn, and then we had number seven against ten, Michigan and uh, Florida. So yeah. there's very few cities that have had the number of ranked teams that we've had you know, come through. And then when you talk about the SEC games that we've had over the last four or five years, the national championship game, um, we've had some really blockbuster games here in this city. That's Yeah, that's that's a really good point. So I, I live in the city, as I mentioned last time, about like a mile and a half from, from the stadium. And I'm a huge fan of the College Football Hall of Fame here. It's so much fun. How much of y'all and the College Football Hall of Fame been able to partner with or mutually benefit from each other during the build-up to this game? Yeah, it's a great question. We uh, obviously, you know, we were kind of the the people that brought the Hall of Fame to Atlanta and have supported it with $13 million. And, yeah. you know, our football fest was run at the Hall of Fame where you could get in free. Uh, we'll do our True Taste, 
at the Hall of Fame. Um, so we, we invite both teams uh, that play in our kickoff game and our bowl game. We give them free tickets because we want those kids to walk through there and be inspired to ultimately become an All-American and, and get into inducted into the Hall of Fame because someone from Alabama or Duke could very well in 15 years be inducted into that College Football Hall of Fame. So we want them to you know, really be inspired that way. Uh, so we welcome both teams through there. Um, and then the fans, obviously, if you're a fan of college football, you've been through the Hall of Fame, you get not only a personal experience about your own team, but you also yeah. get a holistic experience of, of college football. So there's really two different experiences you, that you get in one visit. Um, and I think that's what's made the College Football Hall of Fame so so successful. It really is. It is like the coolest. It's most museums. I feel like you can't really go back to necessarily. And this is one of those things where it's a different experience every time. It's awesome. But um, so my last question for you. I remember 2016. There was like a, a lot of buzz, or you know, there was a potential matchup towards the end of the year where maybe Penn State would be in the College Football Playoff. And there's always a lot of hype and buzz around national brands like Michigan or Notre Dame. You just absolute honesty hour here. Give me a real dream matchup for the semifinal. This year for y'all. Well, we were talking this morning of re-erecting the uh, Georgia Dome on on uh, on its site, and potentially having a Clemson Alabama or a Clemson Georgia or an Alabama Georgia game, and uh, basically selling tickets out at the Dome, Grant Field, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, because if we get a game like that between one of the right. or two of the uh, two top three teams in the country right now with Clemson number one, Alabama two, and Georgia three. I mean, you you don't have enough tickets. Um, it will be the toughest ticket for any sporting event that's ever been held in Atlanta uh, because we're already sold out. And you right. can only imagine the, the desire for – because all their number one alumni bases of those three schools live in Atlanta already let alone the easy drive from Clemson, which is only two hours away, you know, Alabama, which is only three hours away, and Georgia, which is only an hour away. Um, I mean, it'll be wild if, if that happens. Um, so from your lips to God's ears that uh, we get two of those three teams. <laughs> I'm just glad yeah. you didn't say UCF. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we well, can't say UCF know, it's like Beetlejuice we didn't realize that uh, <laughs> what, what was it two or three years ago that we we were running two national championship games in, in oh. a week <laughs> man but yeah, I guess you guys are just did. killing it huh? I guess. <laughs> you guys are the first first to ever have three games uh, in one week and then you guys are also the first to ever have two national championships in one yeah, week yeah there you so. go I didn't think about that we'll have to start putting that in our bio yeah, you right, don't so, have to. You don't have to do that. You can't. You can. I mean, whatever. We'll we'll take credit. as long as it's you know we get credit for it. You know, like I said, we're going to be there this weekend. We're going to be there for the first time together. If you need us to kind of sit in on any of those meetings, you need us to talk to athletic directors, do a little bit of schmoozing, set up your dream matchups in the future. Let us know. We'll be right there at a moment's notice. We can definitely help you out. Does that sound good? Yeah. No, that's perfect. I can use all the help I can get. You guys ought to come and broadcast from the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's yeah. That's yeah. something that we do need to do. We definitely need to to circle back to that. That for would sure. be cool. Uh, be awesome. Yeah, we 
that's that's on our, our 2019 uh, college football bucket list. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking to you in a few months ahead of the playoff matchup. That'll be very, very exciting. Uh, Gary, hope everything goes well for you guys this weekend. We know it's a super busy week for you. We appreciate you coming on and uh, looking forward to hopefully maybe getting to connect with you in Atlanta sometime soon. Well, I love talking to you guys because I know it's the start of college football season, which gets us all fired up around here. And uh, you guys are so passionate about it. We appreciate what you do for college football, and you're kind enough to have us on. So I really appreciate it. Amen. Thank you, Thank Gary. You, we will uh, we'll do this again real soon. Take care. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Yep. Thank you. Take it easy. Bye bye. I'm sure we'll talk to Gary really, really soon. Um, Get to talk to him about the playoff this year. That's going to be really exciting. Playoff. Yeah. Uh, looking forward playoff. to that. Maybe we'll get to, to circle circle back and do some stuff with him uh, in December for uh, when we're there for the SEC championship as well. All right. Marler, it's week one. You know what that means. It's Texas Pete time. Whoop, whoop. Oh, man. We're going to be swimming in a sea of fun this weekend. I hope you bring your floaties. I'll tell you what else you're going to bring is some flavor, Connor. Uh, I'm flying out to Orlando tonight, not just to go to the Stairway to Heaven Chili's, but to go shoot some videos for Texas Pete, our good friends at Texas Pete. Um, There's just nothing that goes together like game day in Texas Pete. I'm not just saying that, guys. It, It goes together like, I don't know, angry message boards and saying, run the damn ball. Or, um... I don't know, me not knowing words and you having to finish the sentences for me when I get all flabbergasted in in one of my my rants. So Texas Pete is my favorite, favorite game day tradition. Uh, It is fantastic. Make sure you go to texaspete.com slash tailgate for some awesome recipes. We have some even new ones this year. Um, (coughs) Pardon me. I got a little bit still left over my throat right now. Texas Pete, I know. I am choked up. Now, here's the thing, guys. We've talked about this all year. You know, there's no losses this year. There's only sauces. And I want you guys to sauce like you mean it. And what does that mean? I mean, bring some energy, okay? step, Set the bar a little bit higher for yourselves, for your game day tailgating. Now, today I had a friend who was at the zoo in Atlanta, and he sent me a thing. He said, aren't you the one that says you love Texas Pete so much? And I said, yeah, why? And he says, why don't you step your game up a little bit and sends me a picture of a dude who had a Texas Pete calf tat. Whoa. No yeah. way. They make now, that those? is saucing like you mean it. They, oh, they do make them. Oh you can gosh. pretty much get anything. Yeah, you can milk anything with nipples, Fokker. So, listen, here's the deal. <laughs> you can also put Texas Pete on anything with nipples, Fokker, or without nipples, to be honest. So, make sure you go get a bottle or eight of Texas Pete today. If you can't stand the Pete, get out of the kitchen. But, more than anything, guys, what are we going to do this year? Sauce like you mean it. There you go. Milk anything? Is that what we're going to do? <laughs> you can sauce. What a you can put Texas Pete on anything with nipples. I'll, just, I'll let you know that right oh, now. Um, or without. There you go. So, oh let's get, instead of fourth and wrong, let's get to this dudes and dudes of the past yes. press conference. Then. So, we're going to play a little game with Marler here. Instead of fourth and wrong, we're going to have a full fourth and wrong edition this weekend for our post-week one pod that we're going to record. So, we're going to take all your great questions that you guys have been providing for us on our Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. We will save those. So, we have do or don't in the press box. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask you a question, and you are going to say do or don't. Simple enough, right? That's easy. I can do that. All right. Number one, wear the Alabama cutoff that you wore at the 2012 SEC Championship with a cartoon elephant on it. Do or don't? Now, I'm going to say don't, but that's because y'all don't understand fashion. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. You will see some schlubby dressed 
people in the yeah. in the press box. It's not you know like that. You're not wearing a full suit. Like don't be a hardo like that. Like there's no reason to go right. that above and beyond. But yeah, I mean maybe leave the cutoff at home or at the very least put on like a button down over it or something like that. It'll be the undershirt. Yeah. so you just deal with that. That's what I assume. All right, y'all don't get to interrupt my game day traditions. <laughs> <laughs> Bottle of Texas Pete and my my favorite cutoff. Number two. Curse loudly when Alabama misses an extra point. Do or don't? Oh, this is good. I mean, I think the answer is don't, but also they need me. The team needs me, so uh, do. Has it? There's going to be Bama beat writers there, right? They'll probably do the same thing. Has, has it ever made a difference before when you've done that, though? Very good point, Connor. Yeah. Yes, it has. So the answer is do. All right. Number three, you are failing this. Drop F-bombs and high-five the person sitting next to you. Me. Oh. When Tua throws his fifth touchdown pass, do or don't? <laughs> it's not. It's not the. It's not the touchdown pass. It's. It's when they come out of the tunnel. Is what you need to be worried about. Is when they're like, let's f and go. Yeah, that's, that's ex- the exact phrase I was picturing. When yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna say don't because I feel like. So what I've learned as a 33 year old is most people don't think f bombs are appropriate, which is wrong. <laughs> but you know, in some settings they are because they just. It's you know I hate to keep going to it. It's like adding a little Texas Pete, just a little top off, a little sprinkle of it is nice to add to sentences, a little accoutrement. Texas Pete dust. Texas Pete dust. He's a little Texas Pete dust. Number four, <laughs> burn sage at halftime if Bama is up by anything less than three scores. Do or don't? I, I don't see. I don't like where any of these questions are going because I know the answers, but it's like there's time for change. Uh, but this like, is this is okay. But this is the atmosphere that's going to test you and it's going to force mm. you to adjust your thinking just a little bit, just a little okay, bit. Okay, so here's my question, and I'm being serious when I say it. So, if, say Bama's losing, can Allie come meet me at the downstairs? If there's probably a smoking area or something like that, where I'm like, hey, can you bring me some sage? Burn the stage there, and then come back up to the press box. Is that a thing? That's probably fine. I, I just all right, cool. Yeah. I'm just, then the answer is yes. I'm just, just not around. Just do it on my own accord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just not necessarily in the press box setting. It's frowned upon. Yeah, there. yeah. Frowned upon. Right. Okay. <laughs> Number five. Complain about the Wi-Fi. Do or don't. Is anyone else complaining about the Wi-Fi? That's what you got to answer. This is the quiz. Answer is no. No, the answer is absolutely complain about the Wi-Fi. Oh, that is okay, the good, number good. one thing you do when you get to a press box is you complain about the Wi-Fi, and you'll say, oh, tweets are going to be a little bit delayed because the Wi-Fi at Stadium X is terrible. That's what okay. every journalist does. That's Okay, cool. Even if the Wi-Fi yeah, is perfect and you have no issues with it, you got to say yeah. that because maybe like your, you know, whatever stats page doesn't load the like a yeah. millisecond quick enough for you, make sure you do that. That's right. that's kind of your initiation into the press box. All right, number six. You're going to be sitting next to me, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, good, just good. making sure. They're going to be front row, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. There does it, there are like usually three rows or something like that. Kind of depends on on which press box you're in. Number six. Pound Diet Coke and Mountain Dew. Do or don't. First off, I'm triggered by this because you know how I feel about Diet Coke, but I do not like Mountain Dew, so I will not be drinking. Okay, Mountain Dew. Diet Coke. But Diet Coke. Now they ha- is it free? Yeah, of course. I need energy. Right. Okay, so here's the thing. 35 milligrams of caffeine in every single glass, in every single can, dude. Journalists drink an average of 12 cups of Diet Coke per game, about three yeah. per quarter. That's the stat that I've Love broken it. it down to with years and years of research on this subject. Yeah. I'll be bloated as hell going out of there. I can't wait. That is the, the primary thing to, to, to drink if you're not just sitting there just drinking Diet Coke and or, and or Mountain Dew the entire time. I don't drink pop personally, so I'm not I'm not in this yeah, Don't say this it. Group. Don't call it pop. This is it's a SEC podcast. I don't drink pop. I don't drink soda. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I don't drink carbonated. Coke. Just say Coke. Yeah, the only carbonated beverages I drink are... Seltzer. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. White Claw. 
Number seven. Oh, now that's a question. <laughs> Number seven. Make sure you eat at every opportunity. Do or don't. This feels like a trap, but I'm going to say do. Absolutely you do. The food is free. You eat as much Nate, of it. What kind of food are we talking about here, Connor? It depends. It depends. So a little, little peel behind the I feel like here. I'm going to be like Vince Vaughn and Wedding Crasher. I'm like, do you have some of those crab cakes? you see seen the crab cakes. You know, I love the crab cakes. I love the crab cakes. Last last Saturday in Orlando, the Camping World Stadium, they, they do it right. They, they treat media extremely well. You, we're, we're walking in by like where the, you know, the... They, they take your credential, all that stuff, and you know they look through your bag, make sure you don't have any yeah. explosives in there, all that stuff. And I say this, I say to our editor, C. Wright, I'm like, I smell barbecue. I bet that's Four Rivers. And it was right outside of like the food area for media. So we had Four Rivers barbecue. I was right on the money. My nose has yeah. never let me down. Uh, Four Rivers barbecue waiting for us right there. Halftime, they had Little Caesars personal pizzas for everybody. I'm not a Little Caesars guy. I didn't quite go for that. I was still full. Post-game, Chick-fil-A. So we essentially got three square meals for being there for like five hours. That yeah. that is the press box life. It's very great. I can't wait. Anyways, and we're getting pizza after we get a little pizza party at the apartment boom, afterwards. Boom. Number eight. Pretend that you're actually reading the stack of paper stats that you get at every quarter, even though all the stats are on the internet. Do or don't. Yeah. True. I'm gonna have that yes. set up like I'm gambling. That's 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 got to be a do. Yeah. Except you'll actually a- anything be reading I can them. try to look smart doing. Yeah. Like I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I might. Yeah, I can't wait. I, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna show up like a 1940 sports writer and just have like an unlit cigar and some suspenders and just like, hey guys, how you doing today, <laughs> here, folks? Uh, we got another bond button here, huh? I can't wait. What's the guy that did that? Um, uh, it was somebody did that on the PGA Tour. I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name right now. It was, yeah, it was like Scoops McGee Bryce or something. Shambo. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> all right, last one. This is one you'll appreciate. Number nine. Ask a Game of Thrones question to Nick Saban in the post-game press conference. Do or don't? I don't give a which what the answer is. I'm doing it. I'll believe it when I see it. I was gonna let you just kind of answer. I need to get a new. I need to get a new one that's more relevant now. More topical. Yeah, it's kind of past its prime. Uh, You know, I'm excited for is we get to meet Chris and Saban in person. Oh, I didn't know we're gonna get to do that. Okay, that'll be fun. Yeah, I, I that's I really wish. Can you bring dogs? No. Like if I have a service dog. If I like if Queso. If I get him that fake vest on Amazon. Why? Don't be that. Not the service. See, here's the thing, Connor. Here's the thing. Everyone that meets Queso loves Queso. I'm not so I'm doing that. a service to everyone else. When it says service dog, it's not a service to me. Service to everyone around me. I'm not denying that everybody loves Queso. My first time meeting Queso will be this weekend, by the way. Yeah, Looking I forward know. To it. I hope he barks at you. I got to hope he barks at you. I'm going to train It'll him. be a friendly bark. We'll have, <laughs> we'll have a rapport down by weekend's end. That's, that's a promise. All right. It might mean too much. By the way, you got 69% of the questions right. Congratulations to you. Yeah, there it is. It might mean too much. You ever, everybody saw this by now. This is this is a little bit old news, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it the other day. This hadn't come out until Sunday afternoon after we recorded. The Florida band director was attacked by a Miami fan. Basically, what had yes. happened was the Florida band was trying to make its way through in the post game scrum, where everybody's trying to get out of the stadium. It's hot. There's a lot of people, and after, so this woman basically like tried pushing her way through the band. And like was like battering people apparently. Band director is like, no, don't do that. So he tries to stop the woman from doing that. And then a Miami fan comes in and grabs the the Florida band director from behind. Apparently he he was grabbed around the neck from behind and thrown to the ground, striking the back of his head on the pavement. That doesn't sound like That's fun. Hot. That's according to the police report. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> uh, but he didn't press charges, so that's that's good. But. Okay, we've all been there in situations at the end of the game where like we're tired. All we want to do is get out of the stadium. Like we're, you know, we're whether our team won or lost, we're not necessarily in the best mood. But I do kind of think that Miami losing this game and losing it in the fashion that it did, where it was just such a like 
poorly played game at the end, that, that, that contributes to people's moods, does it not? There's a fight that happened after the game. Like, absolutely, this is what... Yeah, like, I put this in the Cultural Uncensored video, which, if you haven't watched yet, all of you need to do that. Definitely so do that. my job. Um, but, yeah, th- like, like, yeah, Harvey Game... Or Harvey Uptight, like, step your game up, dude. Trees? An inanimate object? Try fighting a person, bro. Yeah, fight somebody I your own size, Harvey. Yeah. Jerk. It's ridiculous. All right. Make sure that you are joining our Facebook group to follow along with this. I guess it's not a, it's not a, like an action that you can ongoingly do, but you just do it one time. Cut him. Cut him. Oh, boy. I'm going to take it out of here. I'm going to take it right now. Maybe join a Facebook group. It's the podcast. Surprised you know what Facebook is, Coach O. Oh, God. Look at my fake, huh? Look out. I mean, man, You're more of an Instagram guy. I, I do. I, yeah, I actually, uh, I'm an Instagram model. This is true. Can't spell model without O. Can't spell old wrong without O. Good point. My throat hurts. Take it away, Connor. <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be in Atlanta this weekend, like we've said. Uh, we'll be doing a podcast that'll hopefully go up like early Sunday afternoon, something like that. We're gonna recap all of the action for week yeah. one. Make sure that you're following. If y'all are in town. Let us know. We'll, yeah. I mean, we're gonna be down there. If you guys are at the game, let us know. We'll, we'll bring out some SDS pod stuff and 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 meet and hang out and you know try to sneak in some sage maybe in your your belongings because I can't bring it up to the press box but yeah y'all hit us up for real um, on Instagram Facebook Twitter whatever um, if y'all are in town just let us know we'll try to try to say hey follow us on Twitter at the STS pod are we allowed to drink beforehand uh, you, this I mean, sucks define, define drink because get hammered Ooh, I don't think you want me to define that but go ahead alright fair enough <laughs> follow us on Twitter at the STS pod at Vern Funquist at CJ O'Gara. Coach O, let's bring you back in here for, for a hot minute. Week one, take us away. We won. Can't spell one without an O. Can't spell. What game? I don't know. I just spelled it. It might be too much. Talk to you this weekend. <laughs>